Welcome to Garden DC, a podcast of Washington Gardener magazine, all about gardening in the greater Washington DC and mid-Atlantic area. Your host is Kathy Gents, editor of Washington Gardener magazine. We're joined this episode by Abra Lee. Hey, Abra. Hey, Kathy. How's it going? Good. How about you? I am doing well. Hanging out in uh, Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Lucky you. So you're actually living on the grounds of Longwood Gardens. Yes, it's a, a house that Longwood owns. It's across the street. So yeah, you might as well say <sighs> the grounds. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, I'm so envious. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> is uh, Longwood open to the public right now? No, it is not. Uh, with regret, it's not open to the public due to the current circumstances with the mm-hmm. world pandemic. But we have a very um, knowledgeable and committed social media staff that are doing posts from the garden to, um, I would say, try their best to cheer up the public and give them, you know, some springtime and Eastern Pennsylvania vibes. I know I've been uh, following along on the orchid class, the online orchid class, and that's been wonderful to have that resource online. Oh, good. Yeah. So let's back up a little for our listeners and tell them how you got to Longwood. So um, first, um, let's talk about you got a degree in horticulture at Auburn University, correct? Yep, I'm an Auburn Tiger, so War Eagle, <laughs> if you got any Southern or diehard Auburn listeners. <laughs> nice. Um, so how did you end up there, and what made you get a degree in horticulture? Okay, so I ended up in Longwood. Um, just, I, I didn't, I had visited Longwood 10 years prior to me joining this program, but I found out about the Fellows Program, which is a leadership and public horticulture program on Twitter, I saw a tweet that Longwood put out about this amazing program and they were going into their third year of a revamped program and they were accepting applications. And I want to say that was in late summer of 2018. So that's how I found out about this program. And go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, see, Twitter is good for some things. <laughs> so it is. No. Are, <laughs> I was like, I've, I've made some great connections on social media and especially Twitter. And, and you never know what you're going to find out there. So good for you That's for true. keeping it, keeping an ear to the ground and, and stumbling across that program. Well, thank you. That tweet did change my life. So I have to say that um, if I didn't get but one thing out of Twitter, it was that. So it was worth it for <laughs> sure. Great. And then um, tell everybody a little bit what is involved in the Longwood Fellows Program? So what's involved is that it is a cohort of professionals. Um, We all have different backgrounds. So I came into the Longwood Fellowship, not from the background of public horticulture, being at a botanical garden. I was in municipal horticulture. So I had been landscape manager at two international airports. I had been an extension agent with the University of Georgia. I had been a city arborist uh, with the city of Atlanta. And there are also people that came from private gardens in our cohort. There are six of us this year, six women. And what it involves is learning leadership skills to help you go on and lead a public garden. Should you choose to be 
an executive director or CEO, or maybe you want to be director of horticulture, maybe you want to be director of uh, education, that type of thing. Um, we go through in the fall, the first half of the cohort, it's a one-year cohort. We start in June. So we started June, 2019. So for the first six months, we went through a real intense series of classes. So everything from strategic leadership to the art of negotiation to uh, a stylist, just understanding your colors, the right way to dress to speaking. So just understanding how to lead um, through a variety of ways. And then the second part of that was what they call a field placement. So I was assigned to Chateau Villandry in France and I arrived uh, February 1st of this year and I was set to be there for eight weeks and that was cut short um, due to the coronavirus. So I came back and I'm back at Longwood now finishing up my final project for the fellowship. Oh, wow. So it's a definitely a year long commitment and you're, mm-hmm. you're basically staying at Longwood except for the, your eight weeks abroad and uh, it's fascinating to me that they go into such broad subjects as your style, how you speak, how you present yourself. Um, that's wonderful that that's part of the, all the, that is part of the program. I thought it was, would totally 100% focus on horticulture. Um, but it's great that they're grooming you for all aspects of leadership. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because for many of us, we have a horticulture background. So one of my... Um, the people in my program, Becky Pax, and her background is in fundraising. So that's a huge thing you need to know for the public garden world. Um, so you definitely have the time and the opportunity to deep dive into plants should you want to. And there's a beautiful garden right behind me where I can continue to keep that study up. But for me, it was very valuable to learn these new skills because I had a very good understanding of a, a southern plant palette from Georgia to Alabama and even in southeast Texas. But I, even though I've been in leadership positions before at airports, this is leadership at a new level and just understanding what it takes to, I would say, just lead a variety of people into a new future um, and do it in a way that is exciting and engaging and I think just needed for this industry. Definitely. And it's, I'm so sorry to hear that your trip to France got cut short Um, Will there be any chance, do you think, of making it up in the future? Not through this program, but I would certainly go back. So Henri Carvalho, who is the great grandson of Joachim and Anne Carvalho, who started the gardens at Chateau Villandry, is who I worked for. And he was such a nice man. And I enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed the time with the staff. They truly are like a small family there. And right now I won't be able to go back before the program ends, but I would certainly go back to visit him and the, also the family um, that hosted me. So um, the Cross family. So I, I have to go back to France. It was a really, really fun experience. And I know that gardeners are the best people in the world and the nicest people. So yes. those, those connections are always connections for a lifetime. Truly, truly. Yeah, I truly miss them. And their garden is shut down as well. So I've been um, diligently following their Instagram feed and trying to relive my best French life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great that we're at least able to connect online and through and through social media and some videos and be able to see those gardens at their peak this spring, um, while many of us are shut in at home. Yes. Um, 
So let's talk a little bit about gardening. So what is your passion? Like, what are your favorite plants? What do you love to grow? So my favorite plants are trees. And I grew up in Atlanta uh, during the week. And um, I didn't realize it until I would say well into my career. I knew I liked trees, but I didn't understand why I loved them. And I started thinking back of how I got into this uh, industry. So when I was a little girl, my dad was director of parks for the city of Atlanta. So on the weekends, I would ride around with him and he'd be checking on the parks. And I also grew up in a neighborhood called Adams Park in Atlanta, full of trees. There's a park across the street from my house, uh, my mom and dad's house, and also a a golf course, right? Mm -hmm. So on the weekends, we'd go down to my mom's hometown, which is Barnesville, Georgia, complete dirt road country. So where I was leaving these dogwoods and these oak trees and magnolias, down there is hickories and pecans and cedar trees. So I was always surrounded by trees. And that is truly my favorite part of horticulture. Um, I also have a deep love for container gardening. And my mom, that's how she gardened when I was younger. She had these really big pots she set out and grew things in, whether it was tomatoes. I mean, she's grown peanuts, real peanuts in a pot. So um, I love that you can move them around, you can change it up. And it's just being able to have choices and options with a container garden. So those are my two favorite loves uh, in horticulture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And containers are so versatile. So, Mm -hmm. and I love the fact that you can obviously mix, mingle, and they're movable. Yes. (laughs) So I keep trying to to get that through people's heads sometimes is that, you know, you pot up a plant, uh, you know, a tomato or something and it's not getting enough sun, move it into the sun. So it doesn't have to stay exactly (laughs) where it is. So, and you can buy them on wheels if you need to. Um, Yes. So you... Um, you grew up obviously in a family that, that was very deep into plants and steeped into parks and outreach. So you were probably, uh, spending a lot of time outdoors as a family together. Um, did you have a particular memory of say a grandparent or anything that you were planting something together with? Um, I would just really say my memories of being in Barnesville with my great aunts and uncles and it was a family farm. So them planting in, in the front yard, which was decorated with anything you can imagine, just any type of edging rocks, bricks, um, a old piece of iron, just a very traditional Southern African-American yard art style. So uh, they did a lot of containers planting celosia, planting, um, what else? Putting out the zinnia seeds, planting food plants, so fruit and vegetable plants within that that small garden space in the front yard. It was 27 acres, but there was just this really specific space in the front yard where they would plant mm-hmm. anything decorative and anything with food. And it was it just was a very welcoming vibe. It was very bright, very vibrant, almost reminded you of a quilt. It wasn't in a particular order, but it didn't need to be. It was their own artistic expression. So that's my memories. Oh, I love that. I love really intensive gardening. And it sounds like they used whatever they had at hand and whatever inch of space was just chock full of color and full of plants. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And their containers would have been old pots or wash pans or, I mean, anything, an old crate, milk crate. They just were so, now we call that, um, 
upcycling and mm-hmm. uh, shabby chic. And this is something that they <laughs> always did. So yep. those were such, such beautiful memories. And those are my favorite kind of gardens are, are upcycled and found, you know, inventive ways to use just what you have where you are and to grow everything um, that you can at that point. Yeah, they didn't waste a thing and they they made it just look so cool. So, um, nice. yeah, it was it was really nice. So you have a, you are the owner, aside from the Longwood Fellowship, of Conquer the Soil. Tell us a little bit about Conquer the Soil. Yeah, so Conquer the Soil started because I was really interested of, um, in the intersection of fashion and horticulture. I wasn't really crazy about the garden clothes, so I kind of started making my own on the side. And then it grew into me looking at magazines and pop culture, and I was noticing that I would discuss plants with my friends and they still kind of really didn't get what I did as a horticulturist. And I said, you know, if I'm going to connect with these chicks, I need to make it through Beyonce or through, you know, (laughs) Rihanna or something. So if I saw one of them posing in front of hydrangeas or a topiary, I would talk about the topiary. I wouldn't talk about the pop star. Mm -hmm. And that's how Conquer the Soil started. And then I also was really inspired by my mom, who is a retired educator, specifically a history teacher. And so when I was at Auburn, of course, I learned about Rosemary Veery and Frederick Law Olmsted, but I didn't learn about any Black African-American figures in horticulture. And it really made me wonder why. So I started studying that on my own and sharing that through Conquer the Soil. So it evolved from fashion to pop culture to history. And it's just this hodgepodge of things, but it allows me to express myself and tell horticultural stories in a way that connects with my audience. So it's been a lot of fun. That sounds like definitely a lot of fun. So how did you come up with the name Conquer the Soil? Yeah. So that name came from a book written by W.B. Du Bois, just one of the most famous uh, American intellects, a black Mm -hmm. man. And it was in this book called The Soul of Black Folk. And he talked about the Africans, um, ability, their gift of story, song, and their ability to conquer the soil. And when he said that, I was like, that's going to be the name Ah. of my company. So (laughs) it's really meaningful to me. Yeah. Nice. I love it when you just come across a phrase in a gardening book and it just rings so true for your soul. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like literally it lifted off the page. It's like neon lights. Like (laughs) this is it. I knew it. (laughs) Uh So, um, a lot of your friends, are they into gardening? One of my really good friends, one of my best friends uh, is, her name is Alana, and she's a, a cardiologist. She's really into gardening. I would say specifically roses, flowers, um, any type of decorative gardening. My other friends are, it just depends. I mean, some of them are, some of them aren't. I think that they're just starting to learn more about it. And it's really been more of a career type thing for me. It hasn't been me teaching people how to garden Mm -hmm. as much as it's been me working um, in the landscape industry and working in the beautification industry. So Mm -hmm. just maintaining or creating beautiful public spaces is what I've really spent most of my time doing. And that's so important. And we're finding that out, especially now um, when we're not, you know, kind of shut in the house, but a lot of our local states, parks, county parks, city parks, are our little refuge now um, that we can get away with and have some, you know, solace for the soul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it does matter 
now more than ever. And um, I'm, I'm thankful that I've been in this career. I mean, like if you, as you have been in this field and um, it's just, it's, it's so wonderful to be in it because I get to be outside for a living, which is a pretty cool job. Mm -hmm. You know, I get paid to be out in fresh air and, and see nice things. So um, I'm grateful and it's definitely helping me to, to cope right now. Yeah. So I was going to rewind a little bit and say, I think where we originally met was a few years ago for the Garden Writers Association, which is now called GardenCom, uh, the Association for Garden Communicators at the at their annual meeting when it took place in Atlanta a few years ago. Chicago. That's where yep, we Chicago. met. Chicago. Yeah. Ah, mm -hmm. Yep. So it was in Chicago. And... I think the couple of years before we had been in Atlanta, but somehow we just missed each other at that point. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know how I didn't go to that one in Atlanta, yeah. but I was in Chicago and I had a blast. Yeah. So this coming summer, hopefully, um, if everything goes okay, um, we will be in August at Williamsburg, Virginia. And are you involved on in the planning committee for that? I have, I have, I'll say this, I have been the worst uh, <laughs> person on the planning committee. Everybody else has done a wonderful job, but one job I did, which was really good, is that I um, brought up the idea to the group and threw the name, um, you know how you throw a name in the hat of who mm -hmm. a good speaker would be, and the name I put out there was Sean Spencer Hester, who is the granddaughter of Ann Spencer, the Ann Spencer Garden and Museum in Lynchburg, Virginia. And Sean is going to be the keynote speaker. So the reason I have not, Garden Com Committee, please forgive me, been as engaged is because Longwood has put a lot of work uh, on me this year. But we are so fortunate to have her as a speaker. And that was my one contribution. So um, it's going to be amazing. I, yeah, I, I'm so looking forward to that. And I'm actually going to interview Sean Hester for the On the QT, the GardenCom um, newsletter. So I'm looking forward to getting to know her a little more. And I've never been to the Ann Spencer Museum in Lynchburg. So that's going to be a treat as well. Yeah, that'll be exciting for all of us to go. She's such a nice woman. And you're going to learn so much about her grandmother, the history, her grandfather is is really I know we use the word amazing a lot, but it mm -hmm. really is something you, it's going to make your jaw drop. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to that. So um, conquer the soil. We'll, we'll circle back to that for a second and just say, how can people contact you to find out more? Oh, okay. Well, they can uh, follow me on social media at conquer the soil on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I got to tell you, I'm an Instagram kind of girl. So that's my favorite place to engage. The other two, I just kind of show up. Um, mm -hmm. And you can also go to my website, email me, Abra, A-B as in boy, R-A, at conquerthesoil.com. And you can reach out to me that way. I love to talk to people. I love when people drop a, you know, a hint of a cool story, something I can talk about. So I'm, I'm pretty reachable for sure. Mm -hmm. So it's conquer the soil, all one word, no spaces for Instagram, correct? That is correct. Mm -hmm. And I, I, we follow each other on Instagram and other social media. And what are your favorite posts that you put up and that you see from other people? What, what really interests you? Okay, so um, the favorite posts I put up are definitely the Black History posts, because these are things that a lot of people just aren't aware of. And it's not that it's just black history, it's American garden history. And 
when people hear it for the first time. So I'll give you an example. I put up mm-hmm. the last post I think I put up that was a garden post was on the flower vendors of Washington, D.C. And I had read about these men and women, mostly women, and I didn't know what they ever looked like. And one of my friends, a fellow horticulturist, um, Wamboy Ippolito, who's up in New York and Staten Island, sent me a picture of them. She, she texted it to me. I think everybody thinks that she actually sent it to me. Mm-hmm. Long story short, Kathy, um, what we now call flower farmers, these are women, Black women that grew plants in rural areas and brought them into D.C. And they brought them into Virginia and sold them in these flower markets. And they were in potted flowers, they were cut flowers, et cetera. But these are women that also never get credit for the work that they did and the path that they laid. So when people are able to know that even as a flower farmer, regardless of my race, regardless of how I identify, that the history, the start of this was the 1870s, these Black women, I think people are just really, really proud of that. And they see where they started and it gives them just, um, I think, just some type of history to to follow and then it gives them a legacy to to know that they they follow a beautiful path of people that did work they were proud of and it's it's fascinating also to see that how it circled back around and Mm -hmm. how cut flower farming is such a big and growing industry no pun intended Mm -hmm. (laughs) these days that so many people are looking at their you know maybe a small farm or they have a, a back field that maybe they can convert to cut flowers and looking back at that heritage it's it's so fascinating to see that coming back around now it is it is it just shows you who you you are it shows you the humble roots you know that we all come from and it just shows you and these women are dressed beautifully they have on their head wraps they're they're just they just look like flower queens for real I and know. um <laughs> go ahead <laughs> I was gonna say I I i marked that post and I forwarded that to my brother who he sells antique botanical prints and historic Mm -hmm. prints and he's sent me over the years several prints of say New Orleans farmers markets and that sort of thing that I have framed around the house and I Mm -hmm. I, as soon as I saw yours I forwarded it to him and I said do you have this print (laughs) and and if you don't uh, look out for it and hold it on hold on to it for me and unfortunately he doesn't yet but I've got yeah. that on, I've got it on order I'll say that as soon as he comes across that in a collection that's oh mine. that's wonderful that's mine I'll tell you that <laughs> yeah wait. no no yeah. that's wonderful and I'm I'm glad to know we know that it's out there and mm-hmm. these are stories that deserve to be told and uplifted and we need to be able to talk about the DC flower vendors the same way we talk about Frederick Law Olmsted. And that's not to shade him or throw him under the bus. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying they're as equally important. So that is something, um, that is a a meaningful post. And those are the type of posts that mean the most to me. In terms of people, I've recently started following um, their name. I'm going to butcher this because I am not a Spanish speaker, but it's it's Gothic Jardineras, uh, J-A-R-D-I-N-E-R-A-S. Mm-hmm. And they'll post things like uh, a picture and it'll say plant hallucin- hallucinogens from across the world. And it'll be a beautiful picture. <laughs> and it looks like uh, indigenous, I don't know, an vintage indigenous print with flowers and mushrooms and leaves. And I just think it's so cool. And it's just their whole vibe that they're on. I love their skeleton black plants, um, bright colors. They're, I think they're in Arizona. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And they're just exciting to me because they're just who they are it's like they're not looking for permission they're like this is what we do and vibe with it or not so I mean and I'm not saying they even say that it's just it's just cool 
I love their pictures. They're just very fresh to me and very bright. And authentic self-expression. For sure. Yeah. And their Instagram is G-O-T-H-J-A-R-D-I-N-E-R-A-S. So I just think they're, I don't know, I, I'm feeling them. And I even <laughs> texted them. I was like, this is seriously one of my favorite Instagrams. And I probably started following them two weeks ago. But they, for whatever reason, they just give me energy in a way that many Instagram accounts don't. So mm-hmm. I'm into it. Yeah, I love it when you can make that connection and that spark with somebody and just like, that's me. That's what I feel. Yes, yeah. I feel so seen on their account. I have no <laughs> idea why, but keep it up. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they have really good energy around them. So um, in your experience, um, what are the things that you feel like are what people are looking or gravitating to gardening now? So what are they reaching for? Are they reaching for a connection back um, to the land? Are they looking to eat more healthfully? I think that from from my where I sit, I think it's a connection to the land. And I was reading something that I'm going to butcher her name, too. But uh, Dr. Gray Gundaker um, talked about she is at, I believe, William and Mary. She's an anthropologist and she's done a lot of work in African-American uh, rural garden space. Saying all this to say in one of the books that she wrote, she talked about the difference between a landscaper. So somebody who stages uh and and creates and maintains spaces versus a land keeper Mm -hmm. like a real keeper of the land and so i believe that when it comes to people in a vernacular garden space or the home garden space who absolutely have been not studied enough and i don't even think celebrated enough they are the land keepers and i spent the majority of my career as a landscaper fortunately I was born into land keepers. So I deeply understand the difference. There is no right or wrong in that space. I'm just saying that land keepers is something that you're drawn into through your family and your friends. Mm -hmm. I think landscaping is for me is what helped me to build a career and establish myself. But land keepers are the types of stories I tell and the types of people I meet. And I would say the people around me in the professional space, because I'm on the ornamental side, are definitely the stagers of beautiful vistas which are the landscapers and I hope that made sense the way I told mm-hmm. that I think it did perfectly and that's a really interesting distinction between those two groups not that you couldn't be both um oh yeah 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 but it's coming at it from two different angles so before we wrap up our talk I know one of the things that got canceled unfortunately um due to the COVID crisis is um, a Smithsonian program, horticultural program uh, that you were coming to DC to give and speak. Mm -hmm. I think that the overall uh, theme was women in horticulture. Can you tell us a little bit about what that program would have been? Yes. So the program was going to talk about um, women in horticulture. So people like Jennifer Jewell, who um, just released her book. I'm so sorry. There's so much on my mind. I can't call the name right now. It's uh She's cultivating places, her podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a book of women in horticulture. And these are not women. These are women you could still give their flowers to. They're alive. They're well. They're kicking. Right. The people that I generally talk about didn't get their flowers while they were here. So I love to talk about them now. So it was going to be a program with uh, her, um, myself, Jennifer and one other person. And for my part, I was as we just talked about the D.C. flower vendor story. I was going to talk about those type of stories. So black women, historical figures. So another post I recently did because I was not unfortunately able to speak and understandably at the Smithsonian, Smithsonian was on Mahalia Jackson, the 
famed gospel singer and she had a flower shop um, and she was a very smart businesswoman. And one of the things was her flower shop was so successful, not because she was the world's best florist. It was because people would come in there and buy flowers for their funerals. And Mahalia Jackson would promise to sing at the funeral. And I was thinking, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, <laughs> Kathy, I would die. I, I would be on the other <laughs> side of heaven right now if I walked into a flower shop and Mahalia Jackson was there in an apron. Exactly. You know, clipping roses. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is life, a, that know? is wonderful <laughs> marketing. I was like, what a great marketing technique for flowers. <laughs> exactly. So I just I have some real gems to share, and it's okay because I'll share them in another time mm-hmm. and space because um, we all needed to be safe. But that's what the program was really going to be about: highlighting women and their stories that that need to be told, and and we really need to support each other. And there's just so much out there, and there's just so much work for all of us to do. So. Um, we'll, we look forward to that in the future. I'm sure they're going to reschedule and we'll get to hang out again. Yeah. I'm mean, disappointed that we missed it this year, but I know we'll, we'll come back together in the future and have even more stories to share at that point. So yes. that'll be great. Um, so thank you so much, Abra, for joining me for this episode. Um, let's tell our listeners again, how they can contact you. Okay, sure. Well, thank you for having me. I had so much fun and, you can follow me at Conquer the Soil, C O N Q U E R T H E S O I L, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And no underscores there, just Conquer the Soil. And also uh, conquerthesoil.com, my webpage, which doesn't necessarily um, reflect the work I do, but it's a great way to get in touch with me because I'm just, I need to post more y'all. So, you know, charge it to my head, not to my heart. Exactly. <laughs> We're just all so busy that a lot of it doesn't actually get onto the web or onto the page, but we're out there in yes. the garden. We're, we're growing. We are. So yeah, though I'm failing the world on my web page because of my own, you know, <laughs> laziness. I will um, keep up on social media. So I'm, I'm available and I love talking to people. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a great day. Okay. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Garden DC. You can become a listener supporter by going to anchor.fm backslash Kathy dash gents backslash support. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can become a listener supporter and we'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Another way to support Garden DC is to go to washingtongardener.com and subscribe to Washington Gardener Magazine. Plant Profile Pussy Willows The American Pussy Willow, Salix Discolor, is a harbinger of spring. It makes a great decoration indoors or stuck in amongst other early spring flowers in a container.
Yes, I said other flowers, as the fluffy catkin is actually the flowering part of this plant. Like its willow relatives, the pussy willow sends out deep tap roots and prefers a wet soil location. It also likes full sun and some room, as it can get up to 20 feet high and 12 feet wide. Pruning is advisable to control the size and shape of the pussy willow, which can be trained into either a tree or shrub form. You will want to prune it by taking cuttings for display indoors. Cut them before the yellow pollen appears and do not put them in water. They will dry and stay nice for several years. To propagate and pass along new pussy willow plants to others, just cut a branch in, in spring and stick it cut in down into a pot of soil. It will quickly take root and can then be planted outside. Another benefit to this native shrub is that it is the host plant of two native butterflies, the morning cloak and the viceroy, whose caterpillars sustain themselves on pussy willow foliage. There are also non-native pussy willows that have been cultivated to produce a range of different catkin colors, from the Japanese pink pussy willow, Mount Aso, to the sleek black pussy willow, Melanstachos. Try planting a pussy willow in your garden today. You can grow that. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. In the Garden this week is a new segment we're adding to the Garden DC podcast to let you know what we're harvesting at our community garden plot and at our home garden. We're located on the Washington DC Maryland border in zone seven. This week at the community garden plot, we harvested spinach, kale, and broccoli. Coming up nicely are our strawberry plants garlic, and lots of little spinach seedlings, as well as radish and beets. We can't wait to let you know when those are ready. At the home garden in bloom right now, we have Maiden's Blush Lilac, the end of the Forsythia, and several types of bulbs blooming. From grape muscari, to daffodils, to the beginning of the early tulips, let us know what's blooming in your garden and what you're harvesting. You can leave us a message at anchor.fm backslash Kathy gents backslash messages. You can also contact us via social media. Happy gardening. You can find Washington Gardener online at WashingtonGardener.com, on Twitter at WDC Gardener, on Instagram at WDC Gardener, and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine. <laughs>